Welcome to Sensor Noise, a podcast about photography. I'm Andrew, joined as always by Arthur. This week, a phoenix rises. But first, the news. Uh, do you want to do you want to take this first one here? You put this in here. Yeah. Um. So if you all have heard of uh, Capture One, the popular Lightroom competitor, mm. their their uh, parent company is called Phase One, and Phase One has just released the Phase One XC, which is a camera that they uh, previewed, I guess, back in June of this year. And the XC is a fixed lens, medium format camera. It's supposed to be compact and good for travel. Okay. Um, now, here's the thing about this Fixed camera. lens, medium format. That sounds like it should be reasonably priced. Yeah, so this camera costs um, $62,490. That is not reasonably priced. That's no, very unreasonably and- priced. You can't even take the lens off, and it's almost... No, you can't yeah. take the lens off. I will say also, um, missed opportunity here to make it 69-420 instead of 62-490. <laughs> I also don't understand why it's not just 62-500. I mean, at that point, what's the Right, yeah, bucks? what's the extra 10 bucks? This is, this is um, bizarre, because it has a 23-millimeter f5.6 lens, which is... Yep. Not a good lens, I would argue, for medium format. First of all, f5.6 is kind of crap to begin with, but 23 millimeters is a weird focal length. That's right. Uh, yep. I guess the the um, I guess the gimmick with this is that it's got a 150 megapixel sensor, so which uh, cool. I guess is interesting. <laughs> but I mean, you've also got the GFX 100, which is you know sub ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Or any number of Hasselblad medium format cameras, which are still expensive, but I feel like you could have three or four less of expensive. those for the or, price of this. Or, or a Fuji GFX series medium format. Yeah. Which, which have interchangeable lenses. This is a, so this, yeah, the, right. the Petapixel article noted, notes that this is equivalent to a 14.7 millimeter lens on a full frame camera, which is darn right. near fisheye. <laughs> yes, so, that's right. It says, it is a safe bet that many photographers who choose to pick it up will use the ample pixel count to crop images and achieve a narrower field of view, which to me seems like squandering the, like, I I want, I want to use all the megapixels. I don't want to have to crop stuff, you know? Right. What the heck? Yeah. Bizarre. And if you, this if you bizarre. watch, um, uh, Petapixel has a, a video review of this finally, because it just actually came out and their conclusion is basically like, yeah, I mean, it takes good pictures, but. Is it that good? Does it justify its price? And no, not, yeah, not I mean, particularly. I could. This is more expensive than my car. I could buy two of my cars for for the yeah. price of this one camera. Like I genuinely like. I feel like we make the joke in photography a lot. Like who is this for? But like genuinely, who is this for? Did they produce more than yeah. ten units? Like it does not seem like it was worth the development cost. Maybe that's why yeah, it's sixty nine thousand. I have no idea why it's this expensive bizarre I, this it is doesn't bizarre. make sense to me yeah you can get like the here's a, here's a comparison from petapixel mm. a uh the chronos 4k um high-speed camera that shoots thirty thousand frames per second uh-huh um that camera costs uh twenty thousand dollars okay so, so you could okay. you know take your pick i guess yeah one and I'm just looking here in a Hasselblad X2D 100C. I assume this is body only, um, but you know it's eighty two hundred dollars body only. So yeah. again, plenty, 
plenty of money left over for lenses. And you can uh, buy every current lens that Hasselblad has and still be under the price. And you don't, it's worth noting, noting with a Hasselblad X2D, you don't need to buy any memory because it's got a built in one terabyte SSD. So, Correct. Yeah. You know, whereas this has, I don't know. I assume this accepts CF Express cards, but it also wouldn't surprise me if it like only takes micro SD for some reason. Like Actually, that's I have how no weird idea it what is. it uses for storage. Yeah, it, let me. It's I probably gotta, SD. Find out here. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Oh, um, down, I one moment. I have to download the technical specifications. Like oh, some sort of wonderful. data sheet here. Well, in the same vein, um, Phase One is also on their own planet in other ways. Mm-hmm. In that they have decided to um, cancel the free uh, Capture One Express software. Yeah, just sort of. It's just gone. So Capture One Express was like a light version, sort of like what was it, Photoshop Elements back in the day? Yeah, similar but like to it that. was it was bundled or available with like there was like a Fuji version of it, and um, I forget what else. Well, but yeah, it was this like, is you know as an add on for your, uh, your new camera purchase. You know, ah, well, Capture One for Sony Fujifilm and Nikon. Oh, it wasn't an add-on. What? It wasn't an add-on. With food with a lot of Fujifilm cameras, this was included in the purchase price of the cameras that you would get a Capture One Express oh. key from Fujifilm. Right. That's that's what I mean. Sorry. But yes. yes. Um Yeah. So like you you get you you buy a camera, it's bundled with a Capture One Express key. Um And the understanding was that it's a perpetual license. Yeah. Now, what's actually happening is that as of January 30th. Capture One says that um, the Express Keys will no longer function. And And. um, the company also explains that user images and edits will, quote, still be available until January 30th, suggesting that, uh, of course, they're going to not be available (laughs) after January 30th. So so it's it's not just that, like, you won't be able to open and use this software – after January 30th, but also like right. all of your edits are now paywalled as well. Like all of your previous Correct. work is paywalled. Right. And it, it doesn't seem like they're offering any sort of export options or yeah. easy movement options to other solutions. They're saying you, just pay us for a yeah. license. That's pretty much your only option. You can here. save 40% on capture one. Well, this is, as you know, because money is no longer free. So perpetual licenses are no longer viable. That, um, yes, accurate. So, uh, yeah, what they want you to do, you can, I think you can, you can buy, although I would be wary of it, you, I believe, can buy a perpetual quote unquote license for regular capture one. Yes, you can. It's $2.99. Um, do I believe that that's actual, actually, uh, 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 perpetual? Not really, no, but they have a, uh, uh, a bundle. You can pay, uh, $24 a month build monthly for Capture One Pro, um, right. which that's almost... I, I do... I believe that their perpetual license is perpetual, yeah. but only because you don't get updates or anything with it. Right. So they're on, like, Capture One 23 now, yeah. I think. So if you so, bought a license for 21, that's all you get. Right. Yeah. Um. Worth noting that their monthly cost is is more than the Lightroom only plan from Adobe, That's correct, which is yeah. why I went with the Lightroom only plan. Um, cause yeah, 
like I've used Capture One. I like it. It makes a little more sense to my brain than Lightroom, but it's not worth that much more. Their price it's it's more expensive than the Photoshop plus Lightroom plus one terabyte of cloud storage plan. That is also true. Yeah. That's only twenty dollars a month for all of that versus twenty-four for just Capture One, which by the way, still does not have a full featured iPad app. Yeah. Um not a good deal, IMHO. No, it's um, not a good deal. I don't yeah. know what they're doing over there. I don't know. It's 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 wild that there there are like alternatives to Lightroom out there, but they all seem to shoot themselves in the foot in some way. It makes yeah. me wonder if like yeah. Adobe has like infiltrators at these companies that are like in positions of power to make them make these very stupid decisions so that Adobe maintains its position on top. My guess is honestly that this is just a hard business to be in. Like yeah. there aren't that many professional photographers. Adobe's right. able to offer Photoshop subscriptions at the price they are because it's subsidized by gigantic corporations buying right. huge amounts of licenses. Paying like a hundred dollars a seat per month or right. more. I don't even know what it is. It's probably too cheap. I have no idea. <laughs> it's well for an enterprise, they'll negotiate the price, but they also well, get support true. and all yeah. that kind of stuff, right? But right. That I think that's the truth. Is it's just this is a more expensive business to be in yeah. than we think, just because there aren't actually that many professional photographers willing to pay for the software, right? And and <laughs> most and, people just pirate Photoshop, right? Like, yeah, that's the default. And then, like, you know, on the other end, there's, like, you know, free photo editing apps slash functionality built into everyone's phones and computers. Exactly. And, you know, so there's no market for that either, really. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck to them. <laughs> I'm just mad at phase one because they bought Mamiya and then just, like, kind of just wound it down. Yeah, uh, that is pretty disappointing. Ignominiously, a very storied camera brand that's just gone now because, and now they're selling a, a camera that costs you know sixty nine four twenty or whatever it was. So cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, do you want to tell me about the what are <clears throat> the alleged best cameras of twenty twenty three? I'll say that. <laughs> so DP review um, is still going apparently. Yeah, they I have they have a thought about the best cameras of 2023. So, yeah, the one that I first best under a thousand agree on this one. Nikon Z FC. Yeah. Very good okay. camera. Yeah. Like I, good. Honestly, Crop sensor. Nice. Honestly, surprised they picked the ZFC for that and not like a Canon EOS RP or whatever it is. But yeah, an RP or a Sony, um, a what an Alpha sixty one hundred or whatever the latest. Yeah, one of whatever that, is. that. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. So I agree yeah. with this. Or even like a Z fifty. But yeah, no, that's a. Yeah. I'd rather have the FC. It's got dials. Well, right, exactly. But I'm surprised <laughs> they picked it because of that. You know, it's it's like a sure. quirky camera by design. Huh. Let's see. The next okay. is the uh, best pocketable travel camera is the GR three. Which I think I also agree with. The Ricoh GR3 is quite nice. Yeah, I will get it when we discuss later my recent purchase. Yeah, right. I have feelings about fixed fo or fixed lens uh, pocketable cameras. But. My comparison to this is the one that I have, which is the Fuji X100V, which I which love. is also a fixed. Yeah. However, fixed the X100V does not have 
uh, stabilization, which the GR3X does. And I think so. I think the GR3 and 3X are also a full like APS-C sensor, not a one inch sensor. And I don't know if the X100 is or if it's a one inch sensor. I have no idea. Okay. I know it takes great pictures, but you have to hold it really still because you don't have any kind of stabilization. What I what I will say about the Ricoh GR series is that they have um, both the GR3 Street Edition, which has like this orange accent around the lens, yeah. and the GR3X Urban Edition, which has this blue accent around the lens. And honestly, they almost got me just based on that. <laughs> <laughs> It's effective. I was like, I want the cool-looking camera. Although I will say, like, the regular GR also is a cool-looking camera. It's very minimalist and understated. Um, I mean, Valve got me. I bought a whole new Steam Deck just because it's orange on the (laughs) back. So, like, it it works. Truly. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) So their their next pick, this is the one that I have the most issues with, which Mm. is best all-around mirrorless camera. Canon EOS R6 II. Um, I don't know about that one, guys. I don't like, know. Sure. Okay. It's a good camera for $2,000. Sure. Yeah. What a Canon mirrorless lenses cost these days. They cost a lot. Yeah. Uh, they are not cheap to buy lenses for this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I was, I when know. I was switching to mirrorless from, uh, by the way, this isn't $2,000. It's $2,300. Oh, okay. Uh, apparently. Okay. <laughs> so that's interesting. But when I was switching to mirrorless from uh, from DSLR, I made the I did the math. I was like, okay, if I want to replace all of my stuff with SLR, I'm going to replace all my lenses, the camera body that I have, and everything. I did a comparison between Sony, Canon, and Nikon for for performance one, but also just for price to buy the same lenses and same body. And mm-hmm. Canon was like twice the price of replacing it with Sony yeah. and like one and a half times the price of replacing with Nikon. Well, and the performance was worse. So I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't really understand the choice here. This is strange to me. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. I wonder if that uh, this is a thing where it's like, well, just buy yourself an an EF to RF adapter and use your old EF lenses. But that, which, which I guess that you have EF lenses, and also you can do that with a Z Nikon. Z okay, they're too, saying they're saying so. it has good autofocus for stills and uncropped 4K video. Okay. Okay. And then also it has 40 FPS burst, but it does have rolling shutter. Yeah. I mean, my camera does 30 FPS burst. I don't know when I would use that, to be quite Mine honest with you. does 20 with no rolling shutter at 50 uh, megapixels. I don't... I, I, I did the 30 FPS burst once just to try it, and I was like, I don't... Like, this is too many photos. Well, I don't know what the point of this would be. When would I ever yeah. use that? But, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. So then their next category, again, is a strange thing they've done here. Best bargain full frame. They say the Canon EOS R8. Best bargain um, full frame. Which maybe, but then also halfway through the review of this, the, the like little blurb, it says, oh, but but before you do that, also look at the Nikon Z5. Yeah. Which would be the one that I would say to get. <laughs> well, and here, okay, so I think I've mentioned before that Canon confuses me, and this is a good example. Yes. The EOS R8 is smaller and cheaper than the R6. That's right. You that see, doesn't Canon, make sense Canon's to me. like golf. The lower numbers are better. 
Yeah, I okay. Because like with <laughs> Nikon, the Z6 is more expensive than the Z5. Now, then there's like the Z50 and Z30. Those are the the crop sensor ones. But if you ignore those, which Canon's crop sensor things are also in 50 and 100 too. So whatever. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Well, and then Canon also has like the EOS RP, which that's not a number. And then they well, just have the camera. Now, isn't it technically? I don't know. But they discontinued the RP. Yeah. Well, but, and then they've also just got the ESR and I'm like, no, that's just your camera system is the ESR. Right. You can't have the camera be called that. Like that's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> no, now, so if I'm looking at their this lineup is... now, the lower numbers are better. The the so Canon the, the, EOS Rebel Kiss XTI Digital E <laughs> D. <Yeah. laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, the I R5, don't know. They're charging. Get a, get a Nikon Z five. They're really good. They're they're quite good and they're very cheap. Yeah, uh, they can often be had for quite discounted deals. Okay, this this next one though. This one I agree with. Best high end camera Nikon Z eight. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a Z nine in a it's, in a it's a Z six body, <laughs> like, right? Yeah, what, it's a Z nine without the without the vertical grip, basically. <laughs> right. What else could you want out of yeah. this? Yeah. Actually, I have two things that I want: more battery life and mm. built in GPS, which they have ditched in this for some reason. Yeah, I uh, that's I don't know. That's weird. That was my anyway. that was my main deciding factor going with the Z nine instead of the eight. Is I wanted the GPS built in. Hmm. The camera hmm. manufacturers all seem to have given up on that, except at the very, very high end for some reason. And I don't really know why they didn't put it in this one. Yeah, you would think that it would be cheaper than ever to put a GPS chip in there, but whatever. They're probably differentiated about battery so life. Yeah. But, like, let me decide if I want to turn it on or not. Well, and also, like, it's a camera. You don't need to pull the GPS that often, you know? No, you really don't. <laughs> I have a hard time seconds. believing that. Well, and the choice you have to make, especially for Nikon, is like you use the snap bridge thing and it connects to your phone and now it just drains your phone's battery instead. Yeah. I or really or, see how that's better. Or in my experience, fails to connect at all. Because, well, yeah, that's yeah. more likely. But yeah, I don't really see how that's better. <laughs> it's no, a lot easier to yeah. just swap my camera battery You just pull it out, and put a new one in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's true. And rounding out their review, though, is the best value mirrorless camera, which is probably accurate, which is the Sony Alpha 6100. Yeah, that I think I agree with that's a uh, what did I what did I have before I got my phone? I think I had the Alpha 6000, which is fine. It's the same. That's the same as the 6100, right? I think the 6100 is just newer. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but these are these are under six hundred dollars. I mean, yeah, what's nice about it is it's a compact APS-C mirrorless and it has a viewfinder, crucially. That's the one thing I didn't like about my first Sony, which was the Alpha 5100, is that it didn't have a viewfinder. Right. Um, and I just, was I don't know. Was that one of the ones that the viewfinder was an optional accessory that you could snap on? Oh, probably. It did have all the contacts <laughs> on the hot shoe, which I assume is for that. Yeah. But uh, that was a yeah. that was a strange time in photography when that was a choice. Yeah, I'm glad they just decided to throw a viewfinder on there because yeah, I don't know. I, Sony's fine. I use them for a bit. I don't know. I found them kind of boring. I don't know. Yeah, too neutral. I will never forgive Sony for making the camera industry think that making smaller cameras with tiny little bodies that you can't hold very well 
is the thing we should all be doing. Yeah. They they started that trend and they've they've been walking it back very slowly over the course <laughs> of the past few years, but uh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad that at least Nikon and Canon didn't do that. Yep. Um speaking of Nikon and things that are expensive, uh you put this in here but I I also watched this video of the new uh Nikon Z 600 millimeter telephoto lens F4 uh right oh yes I want this but I don't have $15,000 I was going to say it's like almost 16 grand uh 600 millimeters and it also has a built-in teleconverter so 1.4x yeah. so you can get you can get way in there um, but also this thing is huge. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's massive. You really have to watch the video to see just, this is a huge lens. It's ridiculous. But uh, if I take my 200 to, or 180 to 400 and I stick a 2X teleconverter on there, uh-huh. it's not that much smaller than this thing. That's true. That's true. Like yeah. it's, uh, Yeah. And you got to remember that this has the teleconverter built in, so it doesn't get bigger when you enable the teleconverter. Right. It's just in there. Yeah. I I obviously won't buy one of these things. They're way too expensive. No. But no. next year when I go back to spot LAX in September, uh, I will try to rent one. I tried to rent one this mm. year, but obviously they weren't available mm-hmm. yet. But yeah, this, this, this definitely seems like a lens that you rent. <laughs> I think most people do, yeah. Yeah. What I thought was interesting, he he called this out in the video review, you know, that it's got the the little tripod mount handle thing, but it doesn't have the dovetail cut into it to, like, nicely slot into an Arca Swiss mount. Nikon doesn't do that, and I don't know why. It just seems like a very easy thing to do. uh, The Tamron lens I just got has that, and I was like, oh, that's nice. You know. And the point out, it's a it's a fifteen thousand dollar lens. Like, just run it, you know, through another machine briefly. <laughs> run it through the milling machine for <laughs> yeah. two seconds. Not difficult. I mean, honestly, if I bought one of these, I probably would just have somebody do that to it. Right. Yeah. yeah there's no reason not to. Anyway, um, it's let's, a nice lens. Yeah, <laughs> I would get one. Let, let's talk about things we can afford. Um, this oh, was yes. recently announced. Um, Lego. Uh, from their ideas, uh, like what, what do you call that? Like a Kickstarter type thing? I don't know. The people submit yeah, kind ideas. of. Anyway, you can you submit two ideas, and if it gets enough votes, Lego will actually consider making it. Yeah, that's a, kind a, of how it works. An idea that was approved and is now shipping from January first, twenty twenty four, is the Polaroid One Step SX seventy camera. Uh, yes, eighty bucks. This for looks this set. beautiful. I have ordered this because uh, great. <laughs> I hope that it will come in time for my birthday. Um, it looks great. It's a cute little, you know, 70s or maybe this is 80s era uh, little Polaroid one step looking thing. It's even got a little pack of Time Zero super color film and yep. uh, little uh, illustrated quote unquote photos. So, did you catch that it's actuated as well when you push the shutter button? The. Uh the well, I, film I, comes I, out. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we we both have the Lego Concord, and that has some pretty. R- it like, sure does. Can, yeah, you can you can put the gear down on that thing and everything. It's it's pretty wild. So 
if if you haven't watched the video on the Concord, uh, the designer, this is a video with the designer talking about it. Um, they invented a clutch for this thing, like to make the front and it's, rear gear go up and down in tandem. It has a clutch in the Lego model, and it's quite wild to put it together too, because it's like, yeah, it's what wild. is this? What am I doing? What is going on? And then you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> so there's our there's our recommendation for the week, folks. Legos, yeah. check them out. Uh, if the if the eighty dollar one step is a little too expensive for you, there's also a new creator three in one set for a retro film SLR, and I uh, kind of rolled my eyes a little bit about calling this a retro film SLR, but whatever. And it's going to be like eh. twenty bucks, probably. Yeah, it's about twenty bucks. It's a little yeah. one. Um, three in one, so you can actually uh, you can you can build it up as a camera. Or as a camcorder, or as a retro style, style TV, um, if you That's want. Right. Whichever and it's way it's got you a little go. wrist strap too. It's got a little wrist fun. strap, and it's got a little. It's got a little. Uh, actually, it's got two little thirty-five millimeter cartridges with. Uh, well, technically, that would be slide film because because it's not <laughs> negative in color. But um, <laughs> yeah, well, the kids don't know that. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I, I was going to get that one, and then I saw the Polaroid one, and I was like, no, I got to yeah. get the, yeah. I, I got to spend more money. <laughs> so this this last news item is more of an interesting uh, tidbit. Uh, Instax is more than 50% of Fuji's entire imaging business. Uh, yeah. That's wild. <laughs> and so I, I had to check on this because I was like, do they mean Fuji's film business? And the answer is no. They mean the imaging business, including their digital cameras. Yeah. So um, more than half That's of... That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, Instax is outweighing their digital camera stuff, which is wild. Um, and that's why they are... Um, They've been talking about dramatically expanding uh, their uh, Instax factory to produce yet Good. more film, um, which is nice. But also, hey, what about me over here? I want I want some of my <laughs> Fuji thirty five millimeter films back. Um, yeah, oh I don't God. know. So no, okay. When they say when they say more than fifty percent, they're selling it short a little bit. It's actually sixty five percent of the sales of the entire consumer imaging division. Okay, yeah. That's that's quite that's, a lot more than fifty. That's pretty remarkable when you consider that the Fuji Instax cameras are like not very sophisticated cameras. I don't want to say that they're like cheap plastic toys, but they I mean, they kinda are. Um, you know, I guess it's just the yeah. film. It just it's, it's just film. a bunch People of film. Like film. Yeah. It's easy, right? I mean, people, as we've discussed before, people like the look of film, but yeah. they don't like the hassle of processing it. Well, you don't have to do that here. Right. And unlike Polaroid film, which has been, I would contend, getting worse in quality over the years, yeah, I'd say so. Instax actually looks good. Um, and also, Instax is consistent. super cheap. Yeah. You can get it at Target. You can get it anywhere these days. Yeah. My my only thing is that they had a um I think it was an Instax wide camera back in the day that was a very nice autofocus camera and they don't mm. make that anymore. They used to make really nice Instax cameras, and now these days, if you want a really nice Instax camera, you have to buy it from like Lomography or Nons or Mint Camera, and they're all a little too much. Um, 
Would you would know. you like to know that they seem to have brought back the Instax Wide 300? They do they do have the Instax Wide 300. I was looking at it, yeah. I was also yeah. looking at the Instax Square SQ70 because that also looks nice. And the Square is yeah. the closest. The Square is analogous to the um, Polaroid size, although it's like ever so slightly smaller. But it's the same aspect ratio and all that. Um, right. Wide is kind of neat too. That's a little more uncommon to find in stores yeah. but i mean that's a really nice i mean it's basically medium format so right yeah i like yeah. it i mean everyone we have some like i have some younger cousins who are in college all of them have instax and love it it's very very popular that's that is that's interesting to me <laughs> yeah they like the ephemeral nature of it i yeah. mean a lot of kids in that generation are kind of rebelling against like putting everything on Instagram mm -hmm. like we tend to do. We millennials here. Uh, yeah. They don't want to do that. Taking a picture with an Instax is a very ephemeral thing, and it gives you a physical artifact that proves that you were doing something cool. That's yeah. not really something you get with a phone. I'm Printing just noting that the, the comment thread on this Petapixel article devolves into a disc or an argument about EVs, that is, electric vehicles. <laughs> Guys, stay <laughs> stay on topic. Come on. <laughs> They're arguing over batteries. Like, oh, God. Anyway, um, that's the end of the news. Last time, we talked about photo book stuff and making photo books, uh, which was a thing that you were agonizing about and I hadn't even considered. Um, and I did successfully do. I have them here, and they look nice. Oh, very nice. Now, I, I actually did decide to give it a shot, but I quickly ran into problems. Oh. Which is that I was making a photo book um, in the, what is it, Mimeo app? Mimeo, yeah. And uh, I was dragging my film photos in, and it was almost always with each one saying, like, this is a little too low res. It might end up blurry. And I was like, cool. Mm. Uh, so... Um, what size book were you making? Eight by eight? I think it was an eight by. It might have been a ten by ten. I don't know. It was. I think it was. Yeah. But this is like a full page photo, you know. But I put iPhone photos full page in an eight by eight, and it's usually fine with it. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I th mm -hmm. this, what this has told me is that I need to uh, spring for the better quality scans when i get my film developed if i'm not scanning it myself yeah, um probably which i'm usually don't you, not don't you have a nice scanner i do but scanning is um the opposite of printing and it's just <laughs> as annoying right. you know yeah yep. so yeah it's a giant pain <laughs> Um, you know, and my scanner, while nice, also only works with one app anymore. The one, the other That's app right. that it was supposed to work with just doesn't work with it anymore. And it's just, it's not too bad, actually. It's way better than a flatbed sure. scanner, for sure, and way faster. But it is just a very time-consuming task that my ADHD uh, yeah, no. does not no. want <laughs> to do most of the time. So... Yeah, uh, that's a thing. If you're going to make a photo book with film photos, make sure that your scans are high res enough. And not uh, just film photos. I mean, phone photos well, as too. well. It's, yeah. it's, and I if think, you're thinking of using one of those retro digicams, probably, <laughs> you know. 
yeah, probably either make the picture small on the page or figure something else out. I don't know. Hey, use uh, Photoshop AI upscaling. That'll probably work. Oh, yeah, of course. I'll uh, just no. I mean, yeah. it it shows that like people don't realize I that, use that printing your photos requires them to be pretty high quality. Yeah, especially when you're printing them out anymore. at like eight by eight, like yeah, and and at like three hundred DPI minimum. Like, like you're right on your on your iPad, which is bigger than eight by eight, it's probably going to look fine. But when you print them, it's an t- entirely different process, and your eye will notice if it's blurry. Yeah, or zoomed in or pixelated. Like you can't. Just yeah. So I was like, well, should I should fine. I power through and do this anyway? And I was like, no, I want to do this right if I'm going to do it at all. Yeah. You know. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, It'll just pay a off thing for me to keep in mind in the future. Yeah. So. You could design it and then only scan in the negatives uh, on your good scanner that you want to put in the book and not scan all of them. Yeah, but then I'd have to sort through them to find them. And That's as I was accurate. as I was doing some organizing and archiving uh, this weekend, I've shot 122 rolls of film this year. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. <laughs> and you know, each one of those rolls has like on average, you know. 20 something negatives between 16 and 36 generally. Right. So <laughs> that you know, would that's, be, uh, that's a feature. That's a feature that all of the uh, photo management apps are missing. It would mm. be really nice if you could tag like a, a roll number on each of the photos. Yeah. Then you could just pull the, pull the negatives for the one that you know it is. Right. I mean, you know, I could go, and correlate and say, oh, this is from, you know, the Boston trip or whatever, and then find the Boston trip negatives. But I'd still have to manually go through each film strip to be like, okay, which one is it that I want? So Yeah, that's true. Well, so you could like, do next time. Next time you import them, mm-hmm. maybe like uh, put a – you have a label maker? Put a little barcode on there. <laughs> and then put that in the tags or the keywords on the image <laughs> for each of the roles. You're I'm like, I'm sort work. of joking, but also kind of serious. I mean, yeah. that would mean you could find them fairly quickly if gonna, you tagged each photo with the role it was on. I'm going to hire some sort of like library intern just to catalog okay, my go. film. <laughs> I'm sure there's a library science undergrad that would do that for you. Uh, I got some stuff recently because I, so I've heard I got, cause well, cause I got a job again. So I decided I deserved a little treat. I also decided I deserved a little treat when I lost my previous job. Um, well, that's the same thing. It's fine. Well, you know, the horse persists, but at least we can have they little sure treats. Do. Um, so yeah, so I got, um, well, firstly, I, I, I went to this, uh, um, studio lighting course that was sponsored by Tamron. And they gave me a lens to use, and it's a thirty to one fifty. And I was like, "This is basically the perfect focal length for my day to day." And it's a f two right. to two point eight, so it's really good. Um, Very nice. And so I was like, "I need it for my work," uh, and I purchased it. Um, and I don't regret it at all. It's very great, very nice lens. Um, but it's big, um, and indeed, any lens on my ZF is big, and uh, so I had a uh, corporate Christmas party last week, um, and I showed up without a camera, and I felt 
uh, listless. I don't know what to do. You know, <laughs> what am I supposed yeah, to do with yeah. myself? So I identified a need for basically a point and shoot, which I, you know, I have some film point and shoots, but they're not, they're not great for indoor stuff because you got to use flash and people are weird about that. Right. Um, and people are also weird about you bringing a giant, you know, camera kit in for like a, a, a you know, an event like that. So, um, well, I, I was researching a bunch. I looked at the, the Rico GR3 and GR3X. Uh, I looked at a bunch of other stuff and then I was just like, what the heck? So I went to the camera store and saw what they had. Um, and I thought that I was probably going to end up with a Sony ZV one. Um, Cause that seemed like a good, like price to performance sort of thing. Cause it would be like 400 ish bucks for what's basically like a one inch sensor kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you Seems know, reasonable. and those are, those are made more for vlogging, but you can take pictures with them, obviously. Of course. Yeah. Although none of the reviews actually test that. <laughs> Cause no, that's not what no, it's nominally no. for. Um, but I got there and the camera store had a Sony RX 103 and I was like, Ooh. Ooh, because the RX 100 was one that I'd looked at, but a brand new RX 100 is ridiculous and also hard to get a hold of. Yeah. They're wise. very out of stock at the moment. Yeah. But what I love about the RX 100 that the ZV one didn't have is the little flip up viewfinder. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it turns out. It turns out the differences between the RX 103 and the RX 107, which is the current model, are like not that significant. In fact, I yeah, think Sony I think has they're made the same, almost no changes to them. I was going to say I think they're the same megapixel, probably the same sensor, like straight. I up. believe it. So yeah, because I was like, well, is this going to be like low res? Like you know, like how old is an RX 103? Um, and uh. They got out, gave it to me. And I was like, oh, this is fine. And then I was like, yeah. well, let me think about this. Went home, read about it some more. It's like, okay, the things that they've added in more recent versions are just like features that I don't really care about, you know, or whatever, things like right. that. Um, so, yeah, I went back the next day and I I, I traded in a lens and bought that. Um, nice. And That's it's a very, very good nice. walking around camera. It's a really good walking around camera. My only complaint is that the battery life is not great, but it's a very small oh, camera and the battery is tiny. The battery is absolutely atrocious. Um, the, the battery I, is, is so small. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's yeah, smaller yeah. than a CF Express card. That's how small it is. So. I, it might be, yeah. The good thing is that because it's this battery has been used for a long time in Sony products, you can get like cheap off brands and so i have like three of them so right you now and they're small enough you could just carry them around but yeah i was walking around the mall um taking photos because it was they had their christmas tree up and all that stuff um yeah it's good so i, I rented one of these things um i rented a mark 7 for uh taylor swift concert last spring summer i forget as you do um, yeah because you know at the stadiums they don't let you bring in real cameras right yeah. uh, but you still want to take some pictures and so i figured okay well the rx100 is small enough that i can like stash it in my sock or something and nobody's going to even notice that it's there yeah um, so i just carried it on my wrist i brought it in and took some pictures some of them were actually decent mm -hmm. but in that scenario where it's you know nighttime it's dark and the stage is lit 
it really shows how old that sensor actually is. Yeah. It performs quite badly in that scenario. Even though you have a decent amount of zoom, it still yeah. just does not perform well. Right. And the battery died halfway through the show because <laughs> apparently it can't sustain taking pictures. Like being turned on for an hour and a half is just too much yeah, for I, it. I think apparently. it's rated for 200 shots and those are 200 shots that you better take quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't leave it turned on. It dies very quickly. Yeah. Um, we got some good ones, though. I mean, it's better than the phone would do, for right. sure, just because yeah. it has a physical zoom. Well, and that's the other thing, too. I was like, well, should I just, like, you know, use my phone camera at these things? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe this is just my hangup, but I don't feel like I'm doing photography when I'm just using my phone. That's um, fair. I need the honestly, I need the viewfinder. And that's what I yeah. honestly that's what yeah. I like about the Arcs one hundred three is the little viewfinder that pops up. And it's kinda yeah. nice because if the camera's off and you pop up the viewfinder, it turns on without you having to press that's the right. on button. And then when it's on and you push the viewfinder back down, it shuts off. And I'm like, this is smart. I love this. Yeah. It's uh, pretty clever. It's really good. Um and uh surprisingly I have found that this particular sony is not that difficult for me to use um that's good it's got because it's got the little the little thumb wheel you know to adjust right. you know your whatever stuff but it also has a wheel around the lens which i thought was interesting um since it's a fixed lens but there's a little there's a little jog wheel there um right. so you know that's that's my uh you know uh, uh, shutter speed and aperture and then ISO you can just hit the function button and get to really quickly too so it's not too bad I was kind of impressed yeah I found the control scheme fine to use yeah I mean it was something like that I typically will just leave it in auto anyways mm -hmm. it'll be good enough I did have to put the autofocus in single shot mode rather than continuous because it was kind of bouncing around a little bit but uh, yes uh, it still yeah. does that on the 7 so they have not made any improvements there <laughs> they, they have not brought their autofocus enhancements from the alpha series down to the RX100 at all <laughs> no because <laughs> I was pointing it at a Christmas tree you know that's not moving and it was just like back yeah, and forth and I was like come it's on not, it's not great yeah I don't know. I mean, the market for these are pretty small, I would imagine. Yeah. I I don't know yeah. how to convince them to make an, an actually new one. I think that may be a lost cause. Yeah. I mean, there's not like point and shoots in general, I feel like, are kind of a dead market. Um, probably. Yeah. Certainly. Those you point can, and shoot film, those will come back. Well, probably. that's true. If you go to like <laughs> B&H and look at their point and shoot category or like Best Buy, like more than half of them are like out of stock. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know I mean, that those are only, coming back. <laughs> there's only like four options anyways. Uh, yeah. Like even before they're all out of stock, there's only like right. four of them. Especially on the high end. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next, we're bringing back the camera history segment, uh, which... <laughs> I've just forgotten to do the last couple times. Yeah, I meant to make it a regular segment, <laughs> and then I fumbled on it. Uh, this week, it's the Contax S. Um, Contax S. The Contax S. The S uh, was apparently short for uh, Spiegel Reflex or Reflex Mirror, uh, which gives you a hint as to what this is. This is um, – it's not the first SLR because – as with a lot of things, like there are a lot of cameras that technically had 
a single reflex mirror, but this is the first SLR that sort of set the pattern for what we understand as SLRs now with like an eye level viewfinder that showed the image, you know, correctly, not upside down or whatever. Previous right. SLRs either had waist level finders or didn't have a pentaprism to rectify the the preview image on the viewfinder, things like that. So this was the first uh, SLR camera that had an eye level viewfinder with a pentaprism, um, and you know the the dials and controls for shutter speed and all that. Um, one thing I want you to notice: you, you see on this image. Um, where the shutter button is, it's not on the top. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's so it's it's sort of on the front of the camera at a diagonal. Um and this is a pattern that would persist throughout um contacts and later Pentacon um East German cameras all the way to the very end. And my hmm. Pentacon Practica MTL5B has a shutter button exactly like this in this exact same position. So um, they kept that all the way through. It's very unique uh, and why did confusing they, the first time. <laughs> why did they put it there? I imagine they put it there because that's where the mechanism uh, dictated eh, sure. it be. Uh, because that's the other thing is that this is uh, the context S was developed in East Germany in 1949 <laughs> by right, okay. Zeiss Icon. Um well, so, I've, I've seen several with it um, on the front like that, but mm-hmm. never at the angle that they've chosen to put it at on this one. Yeah, I think that's just like this was, uh, you know, a fairly early like focal plane shutter mechanism. Yeah, and true. so that's just probably where, you know, the actuation was and they didn't really have, you know, uh, you know, the time or inclination to rework it or whatever. So um, the contacts S also popularized the M42 screw mount camera lens, uh, which persists even to this day. You can buy brand new M42 lenses for hmm. old cameras like this. Um, they're really cool, but they're also very annoying. Once you use a <laughs> M42 screw mount lens camera, you understand why bayonet mount lenses were uh, yeah. invented because uh <laughs> It They're is, very annoying to use. The, the, fir- the first time you're like very tr- very quickly trying to change lenses, you're like, okay, I understand why this <laughs> did not, uh, you know, go on to dominate the industry as it were. But um, no. Oh, whoops, I cross-threaded my camera. Yeah. Or you're like, oh, I want to get this shot, and you are, yeah, trying to line it up just right, you know. Um, so what happened to this? Did they make more? In West Germany or in East Germany, or was it just this one? Uh, th- there was a whole family. Of this so the Contacts S was the first one, and then uh, they had the Contacts D, and then um, you know the uh, it, in 1948, 1949, basically Zeiss got split in two, East and West. Um, and West Western Zeiss retained the rights to use the contacts name. Uh, mm. Eastern Zeiss did not, so they renamed it, um, you know, to Pentacon, uh, sure. which was Pentaprism Contacts. Um, but then that sort of ended up being a a weird name. Um, but they ended up adopting that name for the overall company. Um, mm. 
which is to say state-owned enterprise, Pentacon, um, which made all of the cameras in East Germany and was actually so, – so each Eastern Bloc country had like a prestige industry that they were really good at. And right. in East Germany, it was cameras and optics because mm-hmm. they inherited uh, you know, Zeiss and a lot Zeiss, of these right. other um, things. So um, – they would go on to produce cameras um, largely under the Practica name um, all the way up to the 1980s. And they also produced some other um, cameras. They made like a medium format uh, called the Pentacon 6 and things like that. But yeah, this, um, you know, this, this camera evolved into a whole family of, of cameras, um, you know, in various forms um, hmm. that sort of retained the, the basic design patterns. Um, you know, if you look at the the Contax S and the Contax D, the Contax D has that goofy diagonal shutter button, and then under it, it has a lever, which is for the self timer, delayed actuation. Right. And then you go look at like my Pentac or my Practica MTL five B. It has the goofy diagonal shutter button and the delayed actuation lever, like right in the same place and an M42 huh. lens. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, the, it's, it's refined in some ways that it has a, you know, built in meter and all that, but it's more or less the same camera, um, you know, underneath just gradual improvements all along the way. The thing with all of these cameras and the same, the reason that like, all of our modern digital cameras still look like nineties, you know, Nikon Canon film cameras is because you get used to it. And then why would you change it? Right. Sure. There may be, there may be a better way to do it, but everyone knows how these work. Right. So why yeah, people would you, are used to why it? Why would you yeah. change it? So we're noting too, that the, uh, you know, when you try to load a film camera, it's kind of a pain in the butt to actually like get the leader onto the reel, you know, yeah. you got to like slot it in there unless you're using a more modern one, in which case you usually just slide across, and put it in and it auto feeds. But Practica had a, a clever way of doing this, which was sort of presaged the later like electronic motor drive systems where basically you would pull the leader out to a little spot indicated on the mm-hmm. body and then um, close the camera, and then as you spun it, it basically had these little arms that would grab the film and then tighten up as the tension built. Um, And that's, you know, like the kind of clever engineering that the East Germans did that kind of set them apart from, like, the rest of the industry. You know, if you compare a Practica of the same vintage to, like, a Pentax or you know, a cannon or something else, you know, there's just, they're rougher in some ways. Like the industrial design is not as nice. You know, the practica yeah. I've described my practica as a brick cause it is literally the shape and size of a brick. And it has, <laughs> you know, very, very sharp corners. It's a rectangular camera, you know, but right. like it's really competent at taking pictures. Uh, you know, that's what it was designed Which to is- do. As as much as we uh, in the in the camera world like to forget it, I mean that is the primary function. Yeah, it doesn't have to look nice if it takes pictures well. Right. Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. you, you can cut a hole in a box and take a photo with it. Exactly. So. <laughs> so last last this week, you have you have tried Harmon Phoenix. I did. I've tried Harmon Phoenix actually twice now. Ooh. Um. And uh, I have to say, I like it. 
It's a film that I described to some friends as crunchy. Um, mm. It's grainy. I like that. The colors are a little weird, but not too weird. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. a color shifting film, but they're definitely like desaturated colors. Interesting. Um, yeah, this is, um, you know, it, it, uh, it, I think, like I said, uh, when we talked about it being introduced in some of the sample images, like it's the sort of film that I can take a picture here in the present day and you would think that it was maybe taken like in the seventies. Like if I take a picture of a modern car with this film, you're going to feel a little weird because it's going to look like it's an old picture, but there's a clearly a modern car in it, you know? So right, right. it's uh, I, I like it in that respect. It's like a time traveling sort of film. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I was actually, I didn't know uh, what to expect because I had seen, you know, reviews from various folks saying like, oh, it doesn't scan well or the colors are weird and things like that. And it actually scanned just fine. I actually did scan one roll of this myself and it scanned um, pretty well, a, a little uh, little green. It had a little matrix effect, but that, you know, was easy enough to sort of edit. Sure. Um, but yeah, I like it a lot, um, which is good because I... <laughs> I think I ended up ordering a total of like six rolls of it. So I still have four rolls to use. Um, But yeah, I have seen a tremendous response to this film, uh, which is very good. A lot of folks seem to like it. It also seems to be like laser focused at the current, uh, you know, trend in film photography, which is this sort of analog look. That's why people are getting into it, you know? Right. So it's very, which I think, I think it has to be. Yeah. They, they want, if their goal is to prove that it's worthwhile to make an entirely new film stock, right? then you have to go with the trends and hopefully this proves enough to, yeah. I don't know, I'm assuming they need investment to be able to afford that. Right. Maybe this will prove to investors that it's worthwhile to do it. Yeah, and I think it's also good to to sort of lean into its imperfections the way that they've done right. because, like, clearly their first attempt they weren't going to make, like, you know, a uh, super high-res color accurate film like Ektar or Velvia, you know? So yeah. Yeah. it's good to manage expectations in that way, um, you know, and on the box or whatever it even says, like, you know, this is an experimental, like, kind of film, you know, like – it might be weird uh, kind of thing. And um, it is weird. I mean, it's it's kind of weird to pull out a color film that doesn't have like an orange base. Uh, that's weird, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's got yeah. like a bluish purplish base. But uh, yeah, I like it a lot. So I'm probably going to, um, well, I am going to use it a lot more, I'm sure. Um, Pending the weather, because this is an ISO 200 film, and conditions here in Ohio lately have not really permitted ISO 200 shooting. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, we we have some Ohio weather right now, honestly. It is dark and rainy and has been for the past few days. Winter in Ohio. characteristic of here. Winter in Ohio is like an ISO 400 on a good day. (laughs) Right. So, you know, like all my Ektar is put away for the winter, as is my right. my Pan F. That's what is it, ISO fifty or something like that? That's yeah, anyway. All of my all of my low speed film is slumbering in the fridge for now. 
Um, Even here, uh, my ISO 64 camera uh, will not be set to 64 for some time. No, no, no. 400 maybe I can get away with. But uh, yeah, I I would recommend, if you're thinking about trying Harman Phoenix, I would recommend it. And um, it does seem, even though it's limited edition, like both the camera stores near me have plenty of it. Um, and it's, I and would say, relatively reasonably priced. So Good news for people that don't necessarily have a camera store near them. It is currently available from B&H for $14 a roll. Yeah. Um, they have stock, so you can get it shipped available to you. Available from if, B&H. If, I'm sure it's available from like, I want, well, well that's a, I should confirm before I say anything, but I'm guessing Freestyle <laughs> Photo and other places probably, probably. have it as well. Um, you can yes, get freestyle photo. It looks like they have it as well. Same yeah. price as B and H, but mm. you know, if you, if you don't have a, like, I don't, the camera store near me, San Jose camera does not, uh, stock this. They don't have any <laughs> film stuff anymore. Uh, that has to go all the way up to San Francisco for that. That's disappointing. It, you it, know, it, yeah, it doesn't, it, it wouldn't. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it know. is disappointing. They're very small though. They do focus more on the, I mean, right now it's all mirrorless. That's all they have now. Yeah, uh, which makes some sense. But uh, right, yeah. The, there's no store within a half an hour drive of me that has any of this, so it's nice that it's on B and H. There's some other new film that I'm seeing now that I'm probably going to have to try. Um, oh yeah, Kono <laughs> uh, Color. Kono uh, Color. Don't you dare call it standard. Is new. Um, I haven't heard about this one anyway. I have to look into that. Kono Color, don't you dare call it standard. Kono Color 400 is, it, is what it is. Is it actually new? It says new, but I'm not sure. Uh, I've certainly not seen it before, uh, put it that way. And I like to think I know about film uh, a decent amount. So, Yeah, it says it's made in Germany. Okay, well... That's basically all it says. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's made in Germany. Hmm. Yeah. I'll have to um, research this more. Stay tuned to Center Noise for continuing coverage of all the latest film stocks. <laughs> yeah, we'll be sure to cover any any new film stuff. I do but, like their packaging, I have to say. It's yes. very, very clever. Yeah. Um what I'd like to do is there are some there's some Japanese films that you can't really get over here. Um from mm. like Yashica or, you know, re resurrected yashica and resurrected minolta um that i would like to see if i can get a hold of somehow but uh i don't know we'll see but can you do like, it on like uh yahoo auctions japan and do it one of those uh forwarding services maybe i don't know to see I, I you know we do know some folks who already have freight forwarder accounts set up, so maybe yeah. we can work something out with them. That may be the way to go. <laughs> I'm doing some <laughs> doing some illegal straw purchasing of foreign film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have uh, customs knocking on my door, you know. I see a review of one of these on F Stoppers and this is somebody who was traveling in Japan and saw this like in a store. Mm. And it's and like, just I have it. no idea what this thing is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good, but he has no idea what it was. That's, that's, you know, that's where I'm at with it too. It's like, you know what? I just want to try all the films and see what they're like, you know? Yeah. So, cause I, I, I mean, how can I make a decision about which film is my favorite if I don't try each and every one of them? This that's, is the thing is it's yeah, you can't know. I know some folks who 
uh, you know, try like a couple of films and then they're like, well, I just like HP five, you know? And it's like, well, I like <laughs> HP five too, but how can I know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you haven't tried every single one that's available, how would you know if it's any good? Right. Yeah. I must sample each and every one. Interestingly, I'm not really like this about anything else. <laughs> food like well, nah i'm okay <laughs> in, in in other categories it is possible to know what the best thing is yeah all right in in artistic categories it's it's entirely subjective right but like if you're if you're building a gaming pc you can buy the best parts that's right. possible yeah like quantitatively well, if you're buying a camera the best parts a, it's which ones do you like? It's hard yeah, what's, to What's the best camera? What I mean, we just is. we just spent like 15 minutes picking over DP reviews ideas of what the best <laughs> cameras are. So, you know, like, listen. <laughs> maybe so. maybe in the future we should explore. Uh, there's an idea that's come up on a couple of other podcasts from uh, John Syracuse, which is uh, best first favorite mm. BFF. That's an idea maybe we should explore here. Interesting. What's your, yeah. your bet? The best film versus... Your first versus your favorite. That's an interesting – because I think, yes, there are – you can certainly say that there are films that are the best for certain criteria, you know. Sure. But whether that they're my favorite you like them. is – Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no, interesting that's, that's an interesting thought. We'll, we'll, we'll probably explore that more in the future. And uh, we're also looking forward to um, having guests on the program in the yes. future as well. So stay tuned to that. Hopefully in the next episode. We we yeah. haven't confirmed it yet, but yeah. stick around. Yeah, thanks for listening to Sensor Noise. You can find us at sensornoise.com, on Instagram at sensornoise.com, or sensornoisepod, jeez, and on Blue Sky at Sensor Noise. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend. Mm-hmm.